Thank you for tuning in to In the Vine Dating Podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our newest segment called Who's in the Vine, released every Monday, where Melissa will be interviewing different guests to talk about the questions you ask. And remember to follow up every Thursday, where we will further discuss any questions or responses you may have. Please enjoy, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who's in the Vine podcast, a branch off segment from In the Vine Dating podcast. We are so excited to be able to start these episodes. This is now our third episode that we're doing. Hope you checked out the one that we did with Andre. It was awesome to hear his story of um, just finding God and finding uh, stability, finding security, and just overall his journey and growing up in the church and all that good stuff. So today with us, uh, we have Mike Verdusco. Let's go. <laughs> um, and he is uh, Denise's husband. So today you're listening to it weeks away, but today is actually the Marine's birthday. So Mike is a veteran, a Marine veteran. And so tomorrow's Veterans Day. So Mike, thank you so much for your service. You're awesome. You're amazing. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so before we get started and we go into the questions, is there anything that you want to say? You want to say hi to your adoring fans? <laughs> oh, to uh, to that hot girl that's listening in with the ring <laughs> on her finger with my last name. Hey, holler at me. Nah. <laughs> no, I just, you know, thanks for having me on. Obviously, you know, excited to to support you guys and support this movement. And I'm excited to see what you guys uh, developed there in the Vine and, you know, how this progresses and I know you guys are all excited, so that makes me excited. So thanks for, for the opportunity. Good answer. Good answer. Good job, Denise. Good job. <laughs> um, okay, so the reason why I wanted to have Mike on here is because he is literally one of the most inspiring stories that I know. And he is the last one who would probably say it just because that's just how Mike is. And so I think a lot of our listeners are going to be surprised to hear the kind of things that he's endured. Um, overcome and of course just his journey period and so um, what I know about you Mike is obviously I'm close with your mom right uh, her, again we've talked about her before her, we we call her G-Mama and G-Mama is just an amazing astounding woman she's definitely defeated a lot of odds and yes. not just that but she's helped other women like myself um, get over situations in life that um, are definitely very trying and so We've heard her story and um, we admire it so much, but today um, we want to hear your side, right? Like listening, we want to listen to your experience in growing up with, um, you know, the, and I'll let you kind of just unpack what those are. Um, but yeah, we're just so excited to be able to hear it from your point of, of view. So let's start with your childhood. What do you want to tell us about that? Uh, first, I just want to, um kind of elaborate a little bit more on my mom because I know you know the story I know the people that know us know the story right but uh you know my my mom's been through a lot and she's overcome and she's she just she's winning in life to be honest yes. and everything thrown her way you know many people would have lost they would they would have just failed um but she kept grinding through it and and you know now I look at my mom and I guess we'll you know eventually get, get into that of you know how she came to Christ and all that yeah. and where she's at now in her life but you know to to see my mom and I can look at it and I can genuinely say that she's happy um is is huge especially for me and and my brother as well you know we know what we've been through right um so just a big shout out to my mom again you know you, you're definitely a winner you're definitely an inspiration for all these other girls so you know my mom's usually one in the background who's always surprising people and you know trying not to put her name on it but we know it's her yeah um, <laughs> I, I just want to take that time to you know put her uh, put her kind of like show her off to the world I guess and Absolutely. you know my mom's definitely a winner mom you're, you're the best and you know thanks for being an inspiration for not just us but you know all these other ladies you know trying to yep. win in life as well so yeah. yeah so that's that that's my mom um you know going back to your question about you know my childhood uh you know I, I have one brother uh between my mom and my dad I grew up in in the valley and you know um fortunately about I think it was about five or six when uh you know my mom and dad decided to split up split ways um and you know 
this, this could be a very long story, but <laughs> I guess <laughs> I give you the bullet points, you know. Uh, so they split up, you know, with my mom took my brother and I, and, you know, fortunately all my mom's friends were pretty much my dad's family since she wasn't so close with her family at the time. Mm. So it was just my mom by herself and her little Ford Escort um, wagon. <laughs> we we remember that car very vividly. <laughs> uh, so, you know, she took us and just kind of had to figure our life out. And, you know, we ended up uh, basically finding a shelter for, I guess, single moms and kids. So really nowhere to go from what I, from what I understand, you know, my mom had really not too many friends to, to lean on since they were all my dad's family. Right. Um, so she was kind of left on her own and, you know, packed the bags, moved into the shelter. We're in the shelter for a while. I remember, I think it was in first grade, you know, jumping to a new school halfway through the season that, that wasn't fun or through the school year season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that wasn't fun. And then, you know, we ended up moving again and, you know, we ended up moving in with, with one of my mom's, uh, one of my mom's uh, friends who, who allowed us to stay with her. And, you know, that was, that was a blessing in itself to get out of the shelter and get into, you know, a small, it was a tiny apartment, but better than the shelter. Right. For um, sure. You know, I just remember being in the shelter and seeing all these other single moms and kids and, you know, we had no money at all. Uh, you know, back, back in the days they had the, uh, I always tell the story cause it's, it's like, it's amazing to see where we came from to where we are today. You know, my brother and I used to scrounge for change in the car on the floor uh, for 29 cent and 39 cent hamburger and cheeseburger days at McDonald's. Um, and, you know, it's it's a funny story now, but looking back on it, like, that sucks. You know, how, how are you as a single mom with your two kids, you know, having to, it was fun for my brother and I, but I can only imagine what my mom was feeling like. Right trying to make it a game to find change but in the back of her mind like no we need to find something to eat like that I can only imagine what that was like now that being a dad I wouldn't be able to do that yeah that's my mom ground it out you know she we we did what we had to do um so we grew up in the shelter a little bit and moved in with my mom's friend and you know did school did the whole thing and uh right around the time of the split up you know started seeing my counselor or Still unsure if it was a counselor or anger management for me. Uh, <laughs> I just remember, you know, having to do exercises that dealt a lot with my anger. So apparently I was pretty angry as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, you know, I just kind of grew up. Uh, me personally, I've always felt like, you know, kind of the outcast uh, growing up. You know, I, I, uh, I had my brother, of course, and my brother's awesome. But I just always felt like I was little bit more mature than everyone else my age I remember just having a hard time you know everybody would be playing and imagining things you know I have a sword I'm a dragon or whatever you know power rangers stuff like that I like power rangers but they would pretend that they were the power rangers I remember (laughs) I remember it was so hard for me to imagine things (laughs) it was just so hard for me to imagine things I'd just be there trying to fit in and I just remember telling myself like this is dumb like you can't fly you know (laughs) So I've always been that one that one kid that was just kind of either more mature than his group or, you know, I always had a, a different attitude than everybody. And you know, so I tried my best to fit in, but just always felt like I didn't. Right. Um, so and then, you know, it didn't help that I was this, you know, short, chubby kid with an afro. So I kind of stuck <laughs> out anyway. <laughs> You're um, like, let me just go with this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, growing up, you know, school was was always uh, interesting as well I had a few friends and you know my brother's a super social butterfly so you know a lot of his friends became my friends just because I was his brother you know and so I'm thankful for that but yeah. aside from that you know we just grew up playing a lot of basketball and I think basketball was kind of the only place where I found my identity because you know I was pretty good at it um, I was always in you know the point guard position so always kind of leading the team and, and deciding what we're going to do with the plays um, so I think I've always felt like that was just kind of my niche of you know being in control of what happens next or yeah. leading a group of people into to various things. So um, that's kind of the only place I really felt I fit in growing up. You know, even when we went into middle school and high school, my mom ended up finding, a, you know, she progressed and, you know, did well or, you know, improved her, her situation yeah. and was able to get us into a house by the time I started high school. Dang, the only thing house. is into a house, yeah. Dang, she bought that. her own house. 
she bought her own house. Um, you know, she was she was a uh, she was dating someone at the time, her fiance, and you know, we were able to get a house. So high school we started a house. Now what what kind of kept me again down this path of feeling separated from everybody, the house was in Palmdale. And I was going to school in Glendale. Oh. Now in high school, you know, in high school I started, you know, I lost some weight, started working out you know, started talking to the ladies and, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to be the, the cool high school kid. Right. But, you know, what, what also kind of messed with my head mentally was the fact that I was so far, you know, so when everybody would hang out after school or everybody would go to the, you know, football games, basketball games or whatever, I didn't have that luxury. Oh, good um, you know, because right after school, I would have to walk to my mom's work and then from work, we'd go all the way back home to Pondo. So when the games were at five, seven o'clock or whatever it was, you know, my mom had to get home. So they couldn't just linger and wait for me. And right. so I missed out on a lot of that part of my high school, you know, the building of friendships outside of school. I mean, usually that's when all the fun stuff happens right yeah. here. <laughs> that's where the fun really starts. <laughs> you don't have the teachers around and, you know, so I missed, I missed that part of my life. And I think, I think I grew up, you know, missing a lot of my, my childhood because of that, you know, i I grew up separated from my dad. We see my dad every other weekend. So I didn't develop a relationship with him. Uh, you know, even in basketball, he coached my brothers and sisters. And I think there was one season he coached me, but it was by default because the other coach didn't want to coach or something. Mm. Like that. So we we just kind of always had this. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it was. We just always were a little bit more different, my dad and I, than you know, the rest of my siblings. Yeah. Um, so I felt separated from my dad, I felt separated from my friends, just felt separated, period. Yeah. Um, and that kind of really stuck with me, you know, everywhere. And even to this day, I, I still feel like I have my close knit of friends and then the rest of the people I just feel different from everybody. And you know, it just kind of stuck with me yeah. all the way through life up into the Marines. So that's pretty much my childhood, you know, just you know, little old me kind of walked on the side doing my thing. Yeah. Um, so that's my childhood. Uh that's pretty crazy. I a lot of those things I didn't know. I feel like I should have known that you were in in basketball, but I totally forgot that. Um, yeah, but basketball. That, I mean, especially Denise being a basketball player. I mean, that's that was one of the main reasons I was attracted to her aside from really? other things. But the <laughs> fact that she can ball, the fact that she can ball at ten points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no wonder you guys like what is it? The movie Love and Basketball, right? Yeah. No, she's super competitive. She's, yeah. You know, don't let the the fake eyelashes and nails not fool you she'll she'll dunk on you she'll throw it down <laughs> <laughs> oh we know we know um okay so you went through high school and everything so at what point or at what age did you join the military so i joined the marines what was it maybe about eight months after high school when i graduated high school i had no intention of joining the marines up until about three weeks before I was in boot camp. <laughs> I actually, I've actually talked several of my friends out of joining the military. Uh, I just remember one day I was working at Best Buy and recruiter came up and, you know, I had goals of becoming a police officer. Oh, and so I met an army recruiter and he just seemed real weak. I met a Navy recruiter. He just seemed real, real weak. Um, <laughs> and then this Marine recruiter came in and with just this confidence. And I was just like, man, like he had my attention. Yeah, and you know he did what recruiters do, and sweet talked my way into uh, boot camp and <laughs> told me, you know, if you sign up, you'll go to boot camp in nine, ten months from now. I was like, okay, fine. I I thought I'd still have a chance to get out, and I get a phone call on a Friday saying, hey, if you still want to, you know, do the job you pick, you got to go on Monday, and I believe I that was right when I told my mom. So my mom didn't even know I had signed oh up until a few God. days before I had to go to boot camp. <laughs> What the I, I mean, I always thought I, I, it was kind of in the back of my mind that I was just going to not do it last minute. You know, I was just kind of yeah. go along with it. And, you know, like, so, you know, th you know, from the time I met the recruiter, three weeks, I was in boot camp. So clearly you're a three weeks type of man because uh, it, it all happened so fast. <laughs> as Janice shared with us, you guys got married in the three weeks. So yeah, <laughs> three weeks. Apparently, yeah, apparently. That's the pattern of your life. And you entered a different boot camp when you said when you married Denise for sure exactly yeah so yeah no uh joined boot camp at uh 18 wow when I joined the Marine okay so then there was like no deep thought behind going into the military then it was just honestly like I just wanted the few extra points that 
supposedly they give me when I go to, uh, you know, apply to become a cop oh. for being for being in the military. That's... I don't even know if that's true to this day. I, I don't know. I never, I requested the application to become a cop, but never actually filled it out. There was a question, to be honest, there was a question about, you know, describe your tattoos. And they had about four lines and I have a lot of tattoos. Like, how am I going to fit every tattoo? And I just stopped. <laughs> You know, so and I fill out a that, separate page. Screw that. That was about as far as my uh, police career went. You know, <laughs> but obviously I was a lot younger. You know, I didn't really think everything through. I just, uh, well, I guess it's not meant to be. Yeah. Okay. So then, how long were you in the military? So I was in the military a little bit under eight years. Uh, under eight years. A little under eight years. Dang, that's a long time. Okay, so then you got out of the military. At this point, you were like what, twenty six? Uh, yeah, give or take. Give or take. And then uh, what what happened after that? Like you came back, all that good stuff. Yeah, so the Marines basically, you know, as I picked up the ranks and, you know, you start being in charge of, you know, 30, 40, 50 people, um, you know, you pick up some leadership skills and, and just kind of have a different drive, you know, instilled into you. Um, so I was able to use that and apply it into, you know, the civilian life and got a job entry level and, you know, just wasn't content with that and kind of showcased what I had and, you know, moved on up in my career and ended up actually getting a job, a career job. Um, I think it was within eight months, um, a job I wasn't qualified for on paper, a job that, you know, normally you need a bachelor's plus 10 years experience. I got with, you know, my Marine Corps background and eight months in the company. That's crazy. Um, so, you know, to the point where I was, uh, I was interviewing with people that had been in the company 10, 15, and 18 years. And, you know, I'm here with just eight months in the company and I beat them out just with, you know, my confidence and what I showed and my, my dedication and hard work. Wow. So, you know, I was able to progress through the ranks there. Um, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, a couple of years after is uh, when I you know, started talking to Denise and where I'm at now. And the rest is history. The rest okay, is history. So so you met Denise and obviously at this point church was not in your no I was I was partying hard so you know as I mentioned growing up I always felt like a loner kind of felt like you know I couldn't do anything because I had to be home by a certain time or whatever so as soon as 18 came around and I had a car I was wild and out <laughs> any chance and every chance I could be you know get out I was out I was you know partying I I I, I just had this extra sense of confidence in me. Um, you know, I, I felt like I could pick up any girl I wanted to. So I was just in the scene, you know, just partying, drinking, and hooking up with girls. Um, that was that was that stage of my life for, you know, basically from the Marines until a little bit before I met Denise. That's crazy. Well, actually up until I met Denise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a there's a funny story there, the you know, first time I talked to her. Um, is that for another time <laughs> well I mean, I mean no it, it kind of actually it leads up to the point of you know the transition mm -hmm. right so you know open book you know I, I was partying drinking hooking up with a whole bunch of girls and you know now I'm married with Denise and I have three kids and you know trying to better myself and live you know the life that I know I need to live so when I actually met Denise the first night I met Denise and started talking to her I actually started hitting on her friend um, no I knew way. who Denise I knew who Denise was um just because she was she's uh the friends that I was around she's their aunt oh so I know who she was but I just thought she was kind of like off limits because that's the homies deal you know like you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah yeah um so I just didn't talk to her so I was like well okay I can't talk to her the <laughs> other girl was talking to one of my friends so like, okay, well, she's off limits. So, hey, by default, hey, what's up? You know, so I started talking to our friend. Um, you know, we end up sitting at different tables or whatever, so I'm with my friends. And then I end up talking to another girl at the restaurant. And we decided to go to like a little, you know, lounge thing, um, a little bar. And I convinced her to take me. So I'm now with this girl for the night, you know? Oh my gosh. Um, so we go to the lounge and then little to find out, uh, Denise and her friends end up at the same lounge. So while, you know, I'm with this girl and 
she kind of ends up going to the bathroom and I see Denise just, you know, hanging out by the bar by herself. <laughs> there saw my opportunity and I took, saw my <laughs> opportunity, I took it. Uh, I don't know what happened to the other girl, but the rest of the night, oh, know, my, my attention was on Denise. <laughs> the rest of the night, my attention was on Denise. And, you know, um, this was at the time that Denise had walked away from the church. So, mm-hmm. you know, she was just kind of doing her party scene. Um, and so, yeah, we, we started talking for a few months and then uh, that leads up to her going back to church and then, you know, not forcing me, but she just kind of said, hey, I'm going to do this. If you, know, you want to come on me, great. If not, understand, but yeah. it probably won't work out or, you know, I forgot the exact word she said, but she, she basically left it on me. She's like, hey, not forcing you to do this, but it's on you. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. If you want to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving my you know, 8.30 yeah. or whatever time she said. So you know, I kind of thought about it and was like, all right, I'll go check it out. And, you know, here I am serving the church now. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. Okay. Because again, it's not like, you know, usually people have stories of, oh yeah, you know, I was feeling the tug. Like I just felt God, like trying to blah, 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 blah. But with you, <laughs> clearly again, it's just from day to night, right? Where it's like, uh, and honestly, I, I went to the church and if, if I might be brutally honest, I was like, well, I'm just going because she's going. And, right. you know, I, I, I've been to a church before. I was like, okay, well, you know, most of, most of the time you go to church to check off the boxes. You know, I've been in church. Like that, <laughs> That's how I grew up knowing church. You know? Yeah. You go for weddings, funerals, or, you Christmas. know, when you have to. <laughs> or when Christmas you have to. Yeah. yeah. And then I went to, uh, in boot camp, they actually have church services. And I remember we used to go to church just to get away from the drill instructors because they'd leave you <laughs> alone during that time. So I went to the Christian one because it was more alive. You know, you had the music and everything. And so it didn't feel so drawn out and long. So that was kind of my recovery period for the week in boot camp. Oh my um, so I was like, oh, well, I've been to a Christian church. I, it's pretty cool. It's, you know, they got good music and, yeah, you know, it's not super boring and you don't have to do the up and down and up and down. And, and all that so I'm, like, yeah, I'm I'm into this chick so I'll, I'll tag along and how back can it be it'll be an hour and that's that um so but when I got there um you know I was just kind of sitting in the background kind of a little awkward and everybody's worshiping and everything and I was just kind of like, what's going on here yeah because it's very um, different very different correct correct so there was a lot of activity and I was just like man this is like a party in here like you know, are you supposed to be doing this you know <laughs> God's going to come down and strike you guys. <laughs> so it was just kind of new to me, you know? Uh, and I just remember just kind of like one of the slower songs came on. I was just kind of like thinking back on my life and, you know, like why is my relationship with my dad the way it is? Why is, you know, why am I here? What, you know, what's up with my life? And just kind of like random thoughts, you know? Yeah. And one of the church members came through and this is kind of like, hey, bro, I, know if this means anything to you but kind of started hitting you know the five things that I was thinking I think he had like four of them dang and I was just like what and you know that's just the connection I had and I was just like okay this something's going on here you know so that was my connection um I think if I didn't have that I don't know if I would have kept going back because you know I was having too much fun drinking and partying and stuff so but that connection was enough to get me to come back and you know look at us now I'm still here yeah so, yeah I think that's crucial you know guys can can go to church for you know for the reason of following a girl but if you don't have that personal connection or reason why you need to be there I don't know if they'll stick around you know so right that that's what kept me around that that, that one instant that one connection was that's enough crazy. to keep me around did that happen the first time that you showed up or was it the, the first very time? first the very first service dang the very That's first awesome. service he came you know like I said if it didn't happen I don't know if I would have came back for a second one right or you know or would have been as invested I would have just kind of okay I'm kind of over this and move on yeah that's wild because even and I don't know that she would have but even that's something that even Denise couldn't have planned right because that connection really just comes from God himself so all right so then that's what um pretty much answers the question that I had with what made you pursue Jesus, which is like um, that person coming up to you and essentially having like words of knowledge about like your life or whatever and speak, being able to speak into that. So um, obviously, you know, that in the 
podcast, the girls and I have been speaking about like biblical masculinity and how uh, in part biblical masculinity is providing for your family, for your wife and being protective and all that good stuff. And so um, one thing that I know about you is like, you're very, like you take that very seriously, right? And so what, as I was like preparing for this, as I was preparing for this interview, I started realizing like, wow, even in being in the role of being a biblical man and taking on those roles uh, seriously, I could see how the enemy can come in and really um, try to distort that, right? Because I know that you went through a season where like work just became so heavy and all these things and you you had to be faced with that decision where either you choose, in essence, right? Because I'm making it seem a little bit more like well maybe it was I don't know you can correct me but um you had to choose basically like am I going to be home or am I going to choose like um the money right and so how how did that go for you like going through that transition of figuring out what the right choice was and even like if you want to start at the whole biblical masculinity and being able to do that because like clearly growing up you didn't have a strong male role model And so you had to learn that on your own or you had to learn that through other men at church. Like, let's start there. Let's start with um, learning the the biblical masculinity part. And I I do want to step up, you know, I I don't want to say like, you know, I kind of wear this. I I don't, I don't want to say I don't like my dad or, you know, I regret having him as my dad. Of course not. Like I love my dad, you know, Um, it's just our relationship isn't as, you know, as, as, good as you would hope a father and son relationship would be right. where we respect each other you know if something happens to him I check in on him if something happens to me he checks in on me I can guarantee that if you know if my house were to be falling apart and I call him you know he may not be there within an hour but he'll find a way to come up if I really ask him like that I really need your help he'll yeah. make it happen you know we just don't have that relationship where he can pick up the phone and just hey me how was your day today or what's going on it's just it's a little awkward for us just because we had so many years of just kind of he would just be the provider and right. not necessarily you know the father figure teaching me you know here's the life lessons or here's how to be a better man yeah and I think a lot of that is cultural as well you know he, oh, yeah. his dad was in Mexico and he grew up here so uh, you know he just kind of had to figure out how to work at such an age I think he was started working at about 12 or 13 so That's he, he did the best with what he knew yeah um you know but unfortunately it's like just our relationship is just kind of cordial just you know hey dad how's it going okay good you know, text you next month type of deal fortunately um and and part of the you know one of the other draws into the church as well was uh actually denise's family mm-hmm. so I, I remember uh you know, my brother-in-law henry and seeing his family and seeing how he's a dad of three um his kids love to be around them they they're hanging out having fun laughing yeah um you know They'd have deep conversations. I remember when I first came in, they were always crying because the you know conversation would get so deep. But it was crying, not crying to, of sadness, but crying of healing. You know, they would yeah. talk about things and you know figure out a way to help each other. And I was just at first, I was kind of weirded out by it. I was just like, what, what kind of family are you guys? Like, yeah. I come from a family where we talk smack to each other and just like, hey, man up, go figure it out. Right. You know, and they're over here like, well, how can I help you? How can you know? How did that make you feel? I was like. <laughs> it's not talking about feelings here that's not my thing you're like but I, I saw but but you know I was I was mature enough in my life at that point to to see that this is what a healthy father looks like this is what a healthy family looks like yeah. you know the dad is around the dad is involved with his kids the dad respects the mom the mom you know loves everybody this is what a family union looks like you know? and, and where growing up what I was mostly used to seeing was just you know the dad provides the mom takes care of the kids and then when you guys go to, you know, family events or parties, you know, all the dads go together and hang out and drink on one side. And then all the moms are over here. And, you know, it's it's just like they're together, but they're never together. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And so seeing, you know, Henry and his family together and then, you know, Pastor Abraham as well was another example. I'd look at him and see how much he loved his kids, how much his kids loved him, how, you know, how much he he would like bend over backwards to, you know, to do whatever he can to make his wife happy, to be there yeah. for his wife. And it was so new to me. It was so weird. I was just kind of like, is, is this normal? Are they putting on a show? Yeah. You know, but the more I stuck around, the more I saw like, no, this is them. This is genuinely them. This is really how they are. I was like, man, like, I want that, you know, like, 
I, I want to be a dad of that nature. I want my kids to look up to me. I want my kids to, you know, come see me. Right. Um, so the relationship I had with my dad, I, I didn't want that for my kids. Hmm. I wanted to be, I wanted to, you know, develop something better. So having that encounter with God at the church and then, you know, seeing these two role models of how they were stewarding their family and how awesome it was and amazing it was. I was like, man, I want that. I don't want to grow up and have my kids just text me on my birthday and that's it. Like I, yeah. I didn't want that. Um, so that's really what kept me around was just being around others that I wanted to be like. That's good. And I think that really destroys the life for a lot of a lot of men, right? And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Like I never want to say, oh, Mike figured out like the perfect thing. Like I understand that it comes with challenges because even in that, I'm sure there were times where um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there was probably times where you were like, am I cut out for this? Like, you know. Yeah, no. And and not even just cut out for it. Like one, I was like, well, one, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to get there or whatever, you know? So there's that aspect of it. But then there's two of, you know, the life you were living, always calling you back. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know I mentioned I grew up kind of a loner, but once I started drinking and partying, like I was kind of, you know, I was in the scene. I, I made a lot of friends and, you know, everybody kind of loved when I came around and, you know, just, you know, I can drink with the best of them. I could, you know, party with the best of them. And, yeah. you know, I, I drive wherever. I, I was just down for whatever. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, so so when I started kind of cutting off the drinking and, and you know, trying to, trying to take the, the church life serious, you know, the whole life starts calling you back. You know, your friends start teasing you. Your friends start just kind of like, you know, you're not even a man anymore. And that's hard too. Like, and, and I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm super confident you question my manhood, like hey, we're, we're throwing blows, you know, like uh, <laughs> I stay quiet for the most part, but when I cross the line, you don't want to see me there. Right. So when, when people start questioning my manhood or start questioning, you know, who I am, like that hits me hard. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of maturity and a lot of biting my tongue to just kind of be like, you know what, like you guys are just trying to drag me down rather than build me up. Like I had to see that in a certain way, you know, and, and because they were my friends, like uh, it, it's sad to see that they didn't want to change either. You know, so I still had respect for them. I still love them. They were my friends, you know, not that long ago. Yeah. But I had to really like make it black and white. It's just like, you know, am I gonna stick with this pattern or am I gonna choose a path that hopefully I can become a better dad? Yeah. You know, my biggest thing was becoming a better dad, a better husband. Like that's really what I wanted. If I stuck with these friends, you know, I I I'm not gonna lie, you know, hanging out with them was fun. Yeah. But is that gonna help me become a better dad? Right. Probably not. And I had to make that. I had to slowly make that cut, you know, and it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. And especially I'm, growing up, especially growing up a loner, you know, growing up kind of an outcast. Now I'm in, I'm in the mix. I have all these friends and then to kind of start cutting them off, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, I, I, I develop friends within the church and, you know, they're, they're about the same, same type of people just cut out the drinking, you know, we can right. laugh, we can, we can joke and, you know, make fun of each other, but in a healthy manner, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was able to to fit in with another group that, that helped me, you know, go the direction I wanted to go. So I think you touched on something that's really profound, right? As far as like the manhood and stuff, because for a long time, the church has been super feminized. Like me growing up as a Hispanic woman, my mom was the one that would take us to church. She would be the one to get us ready. My dad would stay home because he worked the whole week, like all these things. And so I can, I obviously I couldn't see what you just touched on where it's like once you start coming to church yeah because the world has this like perverted way of seeing masculinity where it is the drinking it is the promiscuity it is the doing whatever you want not respecting women or um like having that relationship but at the same time being separated and so it is very um it must be such a an identity battle especially when you come to church and so that's why I'm always going to press our church because it's like no we have manly men that come to our church that know how to govern their family and how to do all those things right and so that transition for you um from quote-unquote worldly masculinity to biblical masculinity as you said came from seeing the example of other men and all that and what I what I love about that is because obviously you know we see the relationship between you guys between um the men at our church from the single men to the married men and it's like there's no there there really doesn't have to be that separation between like your family so if Dusko is there then that means his family is invited there's space for your kids and all that like there there's not a separation obviously there's not there's a place a time and place where it's like right like it's just men hanging out but um, that's that's what I do like where it's like everybody builds each other up so as I've seen 
um, men become fathers or get or get, become husbands, like it's always an addition and it's never like a separation, you know. And I think that's that's such a something that we need to like emphasize on. But um, right. and it's and it's putting everything in its proper order. You know, the, yeah. I think that's part of of real masculinity. It's it's what's really important, you know. Yeah. Um, to me, it was important to be a good father to my kids. I want my kids to love me. I want my kids to grow up. And, you know, not just right now because they're young. You know, when they're younger, it's easy for, for especially, you know, if you have daughters and you're a dad, it's easy for them to love you. It, it, it's easy. But I want them to love me when they're 13, 15, 18, 21, 25, you know, because I've been there, because I helped them, because, you know, they feel safe around me. Right. Um, and that, to me, that's the difference between, you know, just being a man and having the masculinity too. You know, you touched on it on one of the other episodes where, you know, to do hard things. Yeah. You know, by by nature, us guys, it's easy to fight. It's easy to be angry. It's not easy to be like, hey, Miha, come here. What's going on? What What are you thinking? How are you feeling? Yeah. That is not natural to me, especially me. Like yeah. those that that know me, uh, you know, I, I joke around. I have a good time, but for the most part, I'm pretty serious. Yeah. Um, if I if I don't know you, I'm gonna be super serious. Right. um I don't talk about my feelings unless you you really want to ask and I feel comfortable with you I'll tell you Do a um, <laughs> <laughs> you know but to talk about my feelings is just something that's not natural to me yeah you know, like again that goes back to I'm pretty sure me growing up by myself and then going to the Marines where they just tell you suck it up you know yeah. be a man in other words obviously a lot harsher words but yeah. and that insulted me and, and to be honest I, I was a I, I felt like I was a really good Marine because of that. I was able to separate my feelings from what had to get done. Um, and so now, you know, being a dad, it's difficult to sit down and be like, okay, okay, something is wrong with my daughter. Let me go talk to her on a different level other than, hey, you want to go have fun? You want to go play? Yeah. What's going on? What's bothering you? How do you feel? Um, and, you know, a, a lot of that, you know, I give thanks to my wife too because she'll, she'll tell me like, hey, you know, Emma, oh, my daughter is like uh, going through something and she's like, hey, I think you should really talk to her, you know, so those times where either if I'm busy at work or whatever and I may have missed it, yeah. she'll step in and she'll be like, hey, I think it's good for a dad to have this conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and so she gives me that opportunity to do it and have those conversations with my daughter and so now my daughters, you know, all three of my daughters are super close to me, you know, yeah. they, they love me and you know, it's because I did those hard things and got into those awkward situations where I don't like talking about feelings yeah. and, you know, doing what I have to do to, you know, help my daughters be better people, to help them heal from whatever they're going through, to help them, you know, feel comfortable with me so that later on in life, you know, they're not hiding things from me or they're not, you know, afraid to come to me when they're in, in a sticky situation, and, you know, understand that I'm here to help them, that I'm here, okay. I want them to succeed. Um, so... Yeah, that, that's the hard thing is, is stepping out of yourself and not just being a man to be a man and make kids and fight with. There's yeah, a deeper, deeper part of being a man and being a dad. That's super good. That's super good. Um, Yeah, because it's true. It's like, uh, you know, growing up, your parents always say that. It's like, you can come to me for anything. Well, at least any decent parent would say that you can come for me for anything. But it's one thing when they've shown you the action as you grow up, you know, like, um because it doesn't feel so transactional it doesn't feel so scary you know um okay so you touched on um on all that and how you were saying that the reason oh, why- i do uh, sorry before oh, before you jump on you know one part that i forgot to touch on you made reference to me you know leaving one job to spend more time with my kids yes. and, and i feel this is super important for you know for this type of podcast especially you know people that are looking to to court looking to event you know take things serious and, and you know eventually get married have kids and all that um you know obviously the COVID era brought back you know brought in really horrible times and just kind of changed the world forever right yeah but you know God uses everything for good and and one of the good things that I felt came out of COVID was the whole working from home aspect the remote mm-hmm. work um I was able to work from home and during those years, uh, you know, my daughters are young, so this is like the perfect time for a dad to be at home with his kids, you know, so they can yeah. still play. I remember, you know, the highlight of my day was, you know, when they would wake, because they wake up later than I would, 
come down into my office and just come in and hug me and just kind of sit with me at the desk. Mm-hmm. Anytime I printed a paper, like they would go fight to go get the paper and bring <laughs> it to me. Um, so those were awesome the moments that I would have missed out if, if, you know, I was stuck in the office the whole time. And so and the opportunity came up and, you know, it was great pay, um, almost 50% more than what I was making at the previous company. Um, so I took it and, you know, that, that job actually had me on site all the time. Um, I was putting in probably 60 plus hours, um, waking up super early and just always tired. Um, so the, the pay was amazing, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. And after about a year and a half, I, I, I just felt I was getting irritated and always tired and, you know, noticed a little change in my daughters as well. It just kind of felt a little bit more distant. And so I finally, you know, after speaking with Pastor Abraham and kind of, you know, got some knowledge from him and, and it finally clicked on me. I'm like, man, the reason you're not, you're not happy here is because I was missing my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I was missing the critical eras, you know, when they're two, three, four years old, when those are the, like the most fun times. Right. And I was missing out on it just because I wanted a, a bigger paycheck. Um, so finally, I just made the decision to, and, and mind you, this job, I was supposed to be taking over for the owner. So literally, I was handed this, you know, multi-million dollar job company. He was planning to retire within five years. So I, I had this, this golden path, you know. It was in the bag. Literally. It was literally in the bag. And, you know, the time that I was there, I could tell, you know, he loved me there and wanted me to be there. And But at the end of the day, I just looked back and I'm like, man, I'm missing out on the golden years of my kids. Yeah. Um, so I ended up calling up my previous company and asked if they would take me back. And of course, you know, they didn't want me to leave in the first place. <laughs> so they ended up taking me back. So I, I ended up taking, you know, a heavy pay cut to return for the opportunity to work from home. And I can say, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on almost a year since that decision. And it's like the best decision ever. Um, you know, I felt like a million pounds just off of my shoulders, uh, even though, you know, the check's not as big, but being at home, being with my kids and, you know, being able to just kind of work from anywhere, you know, I can take the family and we can go to you know, Big Bear, or Lake Tahoe or wherever. Yeah. And if I was at my laptop or my iPad, I'm working, but I'm with the family and, Right. You know, just it's it's amazing. So that that really highlighted the importance of when you are a dad, you have to be present. Yeah. You have to be around. Um again, going back to the reason I, I feel that my dad and I are so separated, you know, we're not as close as, as we should be, was because we only saw him every other weekend. And, you know, he would work some weekend, so he would be at his house, but he wouldn't be around. Mm. And so I think that's what was missing, you know, we, that's what prevented us from having that, that super cool father-son bond. Yeah. Uh, and that, that really opened my eyes and so thankful I made that decision to come back and work from home. Um, that's... You know, my, my daughters, you, you notice the change in my daughters as well. Even my youngest one, Ozzy, she, um, at first, you know, her first years, she just always wanted to be with mom. And, you know, obviously she's breastfeeding and all that, but. Yeah. Um, now she's super attached to me. She wants to sleep next to me all the uh-huh. time. As soon as I come home, she's you know trying to sit on me and hanging all over me. And so a huge victory. <laughs> um, I know. I know that was a lot because I'm around. Yeah. You know. So. So that's huge. So for all of you guys that you know are going to be going into this buying mixer and you know you're you're thinking you know okay I'm here with my career and this is where I want to be. And, um, I would definitely say like you know stop now and. And, and ensure that part of your plan is making sure you have enough time for not just your wife, because that's that's another big thing too. Yeah. You know, now that I'm home, you know, Denise gets to see me a lot. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad for her, but <laughs> it's good for me. It's good for me, you know. <laughs> I'm um, sure she likes it. <laughs> um, but I get to help her out too. You know, she volunteers and stuff. I can watch the kids, so it frees her up. She doesn't yeah. stress out as much. So it's just good across the board. But you know, going back to my point, if you're getting, if you're leading up to this point where you're trying to really analyze, okay. Um, you know, financially, am I in a place to where I feel I'm okay to date, you know, mentally and, and am I mature enough to really take a serious relationship right now and all that part of the planning should be, okay, what is it going to look like? You know, when, if we do get married and we have kids, what's that goal? What's our goal there? What's my goal right. there? How much, 
how much time am I going to allocate to work? How much time to my family? And what's my non-negotiables, you know? Yes. Um, I didn't realize the time on site was a non-negotiable until it was too late in my case. You know, if I would have mm-hmm. stayed at the job, it probably would have really done some serious damage to my relationship with my kids. Yeah. But I caught it enough. I caught it in time and fixed it. And, you know, now I'm seeing the fruit of it. My kids, you know, always want me to play with them, always want to do something. So um, keep that in mind as you're planning that make time for your spouse, make time for your kids. And, and it's important to make good money, you know, to, to survive, especially now with, you know, $6 gas, but yeah, don't put money above the time with your, with your loved ones because it's, it's not worth it. Right. And I love that you said that because, you know, and obviously the reason why you wanted like a, a bigger paycheck, it wasn't just so that you can be selfish with it. It was for your family. It was so that you can provide a better life for them so that they could have more opportunities, more trips, more travel, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, like it, it's not those transactions that matter. It's really spending time, right? I'm sure your kids, uh, even though I know the girls love to travel, they would rather be at home than dad than be in a awesome exclusive trip, not even knowing who that man is with them, right? Because then it's just awkward. And so I think what you're saying is absolutely true. And um, not just that, but, and I love how you're even emphasizing, like start paying attention to those things because being part of a man too, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, because I've never been one, praise God, is <laughs> is um, sacrificing, is learning that art Big of time. sacrificing. And so it's like, it doesn't Big just time. happen once you have the wife, once you have the kids, once you have those things. Like, as you said, when you started coming to the church, you were already looking at that. You were already saying, hey, I want to be a good dad. I want to be able to be a good husband. So you were able to start sacrificing those friendships that at one point were meaning a lot to you for a payoff that would end up being much better, you know, that you you couldn't even see it. So right. that to me is profound because I think- yeah, And what, I, sorry, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, uh, one thing that I do want to highlight is just, you know, the way things work when you put it in the right place, it just crazy stuff happens. So even though it was a significant drop in pay, those that know us, we still live very comfortably. Yeah. Like I, I'm not to the point where, you know, we're eating ramen noodles and all that. Like, yeah. no, we, we go to steakhouses. My daughters love sushi. They love steak. They, you know, Denise loves the finer things in life for sure. Uh, <laughs> she has, you know, million pairs of shoes. And, you know, I think I've told her no to buying something maybe three times ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of a running joke, but, you know, so even though I took a significant pay cut, we're still living the same lifestyle. It, it's like our money is just stretched more somehow. I don't know what it is. Um, so we're still equally as happy as far as money is concerned. I'm not sweating the money. You know, I'm right. never concerned that I'm going to swipe my debit card and it's going to, is it going to go through? No, like we, we're totally comfortable. We, we can take trips whenever we want. Um, so it's just amazing to see that, you know, when you prioritize your life correctly, like somehow God just makes it work for you. Like it, it just, it just happens yeah um, so i i didn't want to you know leave the impression that right right you know, I sacrificed. <laughs> so i was, I was blessed yeah I, you know because i prioritized being a dad because i prioritized being a father and husband i was blessed and now we're still able to live the same lifestyle like it's it's, it's amazing yeah well i wish i would have in that case now that you said that i really wish i would have just finished my thought because um that's actually where i was going to lean into where it's like okay you followed god's um direction and instruction and again like I know that we're summarizing it and making it seem like it was just very easy but I know that that whole time for you was like very difficult right because as a man and as all these things like I'm sure you were faced with a lot of um, expectations and a lot of decisions and weighing out the good and the bad and so um, that's really what I wanted to ask it's like okay so you made the decision and obviously once you decided to act out and say you know what my family is more important um, I've heard the testimony of when you called your job, even how you said like they took you back, but it wasn't just like a, yeah, man, come back. Like they literally, God pretty much opened up the Red Sea for you to be able to come back to that position, right? So talk about that because yeah. I want people to be inspired, like that God really creates a path. Yeah, yeah. So when I called the, you know, my company to come back, you now keep in mind I'm I'm up there in the company, so I was the director of operations. So you know, it is you know a nice salary. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people that are, uh, the higher up you get into businesses, you realize, you know, cash flow is a thing. 
yeah. you have your monthly output of cash and your monthly input of cash and you know to just plop in a salary of my kind like that's something to really consider you know you can't just say yeah let's start tomorrow um you know it's, it's okay well when can we make this happen yeah um so when i called you know my boss was like yeah i'd love to have you back he's like but you know i gotta push you to start in about two months um you know let's get through the holidays and we'll start to like i think yeah i said like march or something mm -hmm. somewhere down the line and um you know i was like fine you know i can grind it out for another few months with i've been here a month a year and a half yeah months. um but then something crazy happened and uh an opportunity opened up where i could help them with their sister company and so he actually ended up calling me about a week later and saying hey i can actually get to the start if you can start in a week and a half from now i was like what <laughs> uh and so i jumped on the opportunity and you know i started with them a lot sooner than later and you know it was amazing and we got uh, we even got a trip out of that and my kids love it out here and all that so yeah um, yeah it's truly just amazing to see how the doors just opened up when when i fully expressed the true desires of my heart you know yeah. things just opened up that's awesome. that's awesome okay so as we're wrapping it up there's two things um one thing that i hadn't paid attention and it really just jumped out at me when we first started it's um speaking to like single mothers right because you're the product you and your brother which your brother we didn't get a chance to talk about that but your mama has shared some of his testimony just at work and how he's growing over there too and he's also very successful and he also has like a good um life going for him right and again all you guys both of you guys along with g-mama started off pretty much homeless like and that was because g-mama decided to take that stand and be like no like i'm not gonna be putting my kids through this anymore and so then, um, and even herself, but I know that knowing her, she put you guys first. And so um, the fact that both of you are, um, and I don't really know much about him, but both of you guys have like a good head on your shoulders and you guys are diligent workers and all these things like, um, how would you, I'm sure that's giving you like a heart for like single moms in one way or another. But like, how would you encourage them where it's like, well, my, my kids don't have like a strong father role. Like what, Mike, right now, what would you say to those mothers now? Man, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. So I think one thing that, you know, going back to what I can remember from my mom, I'm sure she had it tough. You know, I see Denise, you know, in her day to day and how busy she is and, you know, with the three little ones and it's just a lot of work to be a mom period mm -hmm. now that's Denise with me helping her out and you know having someone stable around so I can imagine a single mom with not very many friends you know just trying to make it like that's that's it still blows my mind that my mom was able to figure it out yeah. um but one thing that I can give my mom credit for was that through those times from what I can remember, I never really felt like I was in that situation. Mm. You know, like she always, she did what she could to, you know, reward us, right? <laughs> like the yeah. 29 cent hamburgers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, my brother and I, we love to play basketball. So, you know, what's something cheap you can do for kids is take them to the park. So she would try to take us to the park as much as we could. Um, she did the best she could with what she had. So for, for the single moms, I think that are out there, you know, going through a similar situation and you just feel all this weight on their shoulders and which, okay, there is a lot of weight. Right. Um, just know that your kids in that moment, they just want to have fun. Mm. So, and fun's not always money, you know? Yeah, granted, you know, some kids like to go to Six Flags or what have you, but you can have fun with, you know, a dollar, you know, little squirt gun from the Dollar Tree and, yeah, you know, We'll figure it out so if if you you know if you sit back and analyze and really like weigh your burdens on you at the moment just know like don't don't feel like you have to financially provide for your kids as long as you're there as mom as long as you're having fun with your kids like that's all they're going to remember mm -hmm. so if that helps you kind of take some of the weight off your shoulder and, and like you know i have to provide financially for my my kid to some extent yeah feed them and clothe them right. <laughs> But don't feel like because, you know, we didn't get the Nintendo because we didn't get, oh, Nintendo's old, man. 
<laughs> oh, no, we have the Switch now. Because we didn't get the new video game, because we didn't get the clothes, like, you know, in, in the moment, like, there may be a small, you know, feeling attached to that, but we look past that. Like, you know, I, I shared the story a few times where, you know, my mom didn't have much money. And so, you know, back back when I was in high school, Sean John, Fat Farm, Rock where those were all the brands oh. that everybody was wearing. Yeah. So my mom had took us to a, you know, t-shirt factory and uh, you know, mom made some Sean John supposedly and Rockwear <laughs> and Boo Boo. They were all fake, right? They were like seven dollars. <laughs> so she was so excited to give it to me. I was so excited to get it. And you know, I couldn't tell the difference at the time. Yeah. And some of my friends exposed it and you know, that you? moment sucked. Yeah. But you know, like that was just that moment. Looking back on it now, I can laugh at it. You know, like we we can all laugh about remember that moment and you know. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess like going back to the single moms and stuff is like, just know that your the kids, what they're going to remember is, is the funny times The you know, they're going to remember the worst of the worst and, and the best of the best, yeah. all the in between, it, it just gets grayed out and, and it's just a data dump in your head. Yeah. So I, I, I remember the fun times I had with my brother, you know, literally had a bow and arrow from, from, uh, one of the little dollar trees close by, <laughs> like that was one of our favorite toys, you know, the little there's those little you know it's like a tennis ball that sticks to the oh yes the pink ones you know, the green ones yeah, yeah. <laughs> those like those little things are like what I remember most of my brother just playing basketball so as a single mom like don't feel like giving them stuff is gonna or not being able to give them stuff is gonna affect their life like take that weight off your shoulders just create those memorable moments whether it be you know going on a hike or just you know taking them to a park and you know don't don't let that financial burden fall on your weight shake it off right now and just have a good time with your kids that's what we're going to remember that's really good um, so uh, I guess that's all I can give uh, I think this would be more of a question for my mom yeah um, I but at wait. least from from a kid growing up perspective it's it's I don't remember all that stuff I just remember the good times you know so yeah. if you can make those memorable moments um that's what we're going to remember that's good I love that um and the second question, the last closing question, well, actually second to last, is what would you say to other men who didn't grow up with strong manly, male leaders? Honestly, it's, it's, it's up to you to break the cycle. Um, you know, you, you can look at a lot of families and you can just see a pattern, you know. Um, if you see, you know, within a family that you have multiple, you know, divorces and, yeah. you know, stepbrothers, stepsisters and, you just kind of see it throughout the family like it, it's that's kind of what's what you were raised that's what you've seen that's what you kind of think is normal right you know, so much so that at one point in my life I thought I was like okay well by the time I'm 30 I'm gonna have like three baby mamas and three kids but I'll never get married you know that was that was a thought in my head at one point because I thought it was normal like ain't nobody gonna tie me down I'll just have kids. <laughs> and, you know literally that's that that was yeah. what was in my head I, I accepted that it was okay you know, and it wasn't until I saw, you know, Abraham and Henry's family that I was just like, oh, dang, like, you could have a good family. And like it's that. not just, <laughs> it's not just in movies, you know, and it's, it, it's not all fake, like, it's genuine. Yeah. Uh, that it, it clicked for me. And, and so, okay, so basically, you know, what other men in my shoes need to do is just look around and it's like, do you want that? Do you want to continue the cycle? Or do you want to be something different? Yeah. Um, no one's gonna, no one's going to change it for you. No one's going to hold your hand and walk you through it. Now, some, you know, you can get guidance from other people, but ultimately it's on you to make the decision right. of what type of life you want, what type of dad you want to be. Um, and, you know, you got to rise up and, and be a real man and yeah. do what you need to do to be what a father is, to be what a good husband is. Um, and, you know, be, be there for those times that, that others would label as not manly and, and you know, hear your daughter out when she cries and not just tell her stop crying and go to your room right. it's like what's what's bothering you how did that make you feel type of deal yeah um so it, it's 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 on you it's it's definitely doable um you know if you can walk in my shoes you you think you know all odds are against me and somehow i did it so if i can do it you can do it yeah which again now the person that didn't have strong male leaders like now I know that a lot of the a lot of the young men at church actually look up to you now. So it's not just your family, it's people at the church. It's why even us like we're like, oh well, I forgot who I was telling who I was telling, and I was like, dude, like Mike's opinion matters to me. So the fact that my I have Mike's backing on this, I'm like, um, 
then yeah, for sure. I know that's a good decision, you know? So it's just crazy to me because, and I think I've said this in the podcast already, where it's like the Lord takes the lonely and he puts them in families. And, and I think that's Psalm, I don't know, but it's a song. And um, I absolutely love that. And I think that you're a perfect depiction of that because yeah, he did put you in a family, but not just that, he's allowed you to build your own. And now um, you've broken the cycle in your family and in some ways um, built a new cycle in the in, in Denise's like paternal family, right? So to me, that's that's just so profound. So is there anything yeah, else that you like that? Yeah, and jumping back to the, you know, like you said, it, it's starting a new cycle. It wasn't just changing my life, you know, and I didn't go out there, you know, seeking to help men. Like, uh, that's just not me, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not, not that type of person. If you come to me, I'll help you if you're genuine. And, you know, I think you're not going to waste my time. I, I will give you my all, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll help you walk through whatever you need to walk through. Uh, but I'm the type of person that if I feel you're going to waste my time, I'm just going to cut you because my time is valuable. You know, like, I got I got work, time with the kids and, you know, my time is valuable. I, I know my worth and I know where to, to put my time into. Um, so one one thing that, you know, did help me obviously was was seeing, you know, examples of what I wanted my future to look like. And I was able to pick their brain and just kind of, you know, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here or what do you think about this? And, and you know, they're they're always, you know, text away, phone call away. And, and I know, you know, if I got something deep to talk about. I know exactly who to talk to. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's also important that, you know, if you, if you do want to be the one to start the chain, um, you know, have, have those around you that have either done it or have the examples of what you want to be like, because without that, you know, how are you going to learn to change what you know as natural? Right. Um, you, you need to be able to you know, take a few lessons from them or some advice some you know, some support, some, Hey, you're doing the right thing or, you know, hey, you could have probably done this to to a little bit of a better outcome. Yeah. Um. With without that, uh, uh you, you're in new territory. You're not really gonna know what to do, where to go. So it's important to to have people around you to support you, to help you grow, and uh, lean on them and trust them. Know that you know, if they were able to bear that fruit, you can bear it too. Like you just gotta figure out what they did and how they're doing it, and apply it to yourself. Yeah. A one sauce. <laughs> um, it's really um, good. And if if I could, you know, just going the last thing on the, the masculinity thing is, uh, you know, I, I knew when I was growing up, it was always thought that the guys going to the church were the weak guys. You know, mm-hmm. they couldn't hang with the fellas. <laughs> um, but you know that that's that's not the case. You know, there's different personalities in the church and. You know, if you go talk to Pastor Abraham and, you know, talk to me and then talk to Jose and a few other guys in the church, you know, even A-Rob, you know, we all have different personalities. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, I'm pretty straight up, pretty cutthroat. I'm the one that'll tell you, like, man, dude, suck it up, be a man, do this, and, you know, no excuses. Like, right. You know, just, just figure it out. You know, if you need help, I'll help you, but you can do it. Like, just be a man, grind it out. Yeah. You know? But I'm not the type, like, my personality is not for everybody. And I'm okay with it. Right. Um, you know, if you need someone that's a little bit more encouraging, then there's people in the church that'll kind of like, hey, it's okay, I understand, it's hard, you know. We have people like that as well. Yeah. Um, so it's also important to understand, you know, what type of mentorship you actually will accept and, and will be successful for you. Yes. What type of friendships are gonna work for you? Yeah. You know, because again, I'm I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And so if you jump to me and you're not ready for the, for the harder talks and the, the straight black and white, yeah, you know, I could scare you away. <laughs> you know, I, I may have some good tips, but I could scare you away just with my delivery, my mannerisms or whatever. Right. Um, so I think also, you know, as you're going through and, you know, searching for your masculinity, like you got to understand who you are as a man. Uh, how did you react to certain things? How do you accept certain things and, and understand, okay, if this is my end goal. And I need some type of feedback, some type of mentorship. This is the type of mentorship that I need that's going to help me be successful. Yeah. You know, for me, it's the hard look. Like the Marines was was easy for me. Boot camp, like yelling at me. And, and this is what you have to do. And don't ask. And okay, I can do that. Yeah. You know? um, whereas, and if you were to put me in a counseling session and just how did that make you feel? I'd go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so understand who you are as a man. Understand your natural wiring. Understand how you accept things. And then, you know, find the goal of what you want to be like and then find others that 
mesh with your type of with your ear I guess if you want to say yeah. I, I don't know how it's one of the later but um find a personality that you you will accept to hear from so that you can generally take the the knowledge they're giving you and apply it not just just having me do that again you know right. yeah um, so I, I think that's a big part of masculinity is knowing who you are and knowing what you're capable of that's good um knowing your limits and you know trying to test them obviously but knowing your limits knowing your weaknesses and knowing who can help fill those voids and build you up yeah that's good and I think that's the obviously you haven't heard Andres yet because we're barely going to release it on Monday but um that's exact that's essentially what he's talking about too is like being able to surround yourself with men and ask for help from the right ones, right? Asking for help is necessary. You can't just expect people to um, all of a sudden just pour these things onto your lap. So I think that's uh, that piece of information is key where it's like, ask for help, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned Andre because Andre, you know, is one of my close friends and he and I are complete opposites. So you know, yeah, I, I, I'm black and white, serious, and you know, and Andre's, you know, the the comedian type guy and kind of goofy, <laughs> and he has these oddball ideas, uh, but he's super brilliant. You know, that yeah. that guy's got a brain on him, and and so that's where we connect. You know, I, I'm a I'm a deep thinker. He's a deep thinker. So when he wants to get serious, we both click and we both mesh. You know, yeah. So you know, there's several times where he's reached out to me for you know little guidance and. You know, when I need to kind of line up a little bit, I know I can count on him to just throw something <laughs> random. For sure. Um, so our our differences work for whatever reason, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, it, again, that goes back to what works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's either be drill and circle status and just you got to do A, B, and C. Yeah. And then with Andre, it works out because it's kind of my relief, you know, from always being so serious. He kind of throws in the phone, just like, dude, really? Like, you know? <laughs> but he's someone that I can generally trust and I know that he's got a different viewpoint of life that you know when when it's something that's not doesn't come natural to me I can tap into his brain and just kind of like you know hey bro this this is kind of more in your arena what's your thoughts on this yeah and we we mesh mesh great ironically (laughs) yeah and I think we all have those kind of relationships but it's true it's like finding those that value you that you value and you can trust with the small things and the big things right and so um for anybody listening if you heard this and you're like i want to be part of a community like that again greater works christian church we're in lancaster and of course connect with us send us messages let us know your thoughts on this if you want to hear more from mike or if you want to hear more from any other men that we've interviewed so far um please just send us a message you can email us you can find us on instagram at in the vine dot dating and yeah be sure to tune in to our thursday podcast at in the vine dating and we'll be we'll be here feel free to reach out with your questions if you want us to expand on a certain topic um we're here to help and to support so thank you so much for tuning in to who's in the vine mike thank you so much for having us you're awesome you're amazing i know your story is going to impact many people so thank you for sharing it i know that um i just know that it's a big deal so thank you Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is uncomfortable for me, so thanks for hearing me out. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode or we answered any of your questions, or you have a question that you would like to be discussed in future episodes, let us know in the comments or share on social media. You may also email us at inthevine.dating at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website for more information about our upcoming events on inthevinedating.com. And be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss out on the amazing content and guests we have lined up for you. Shalom and God bless.